Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Kind of walk into a pretty big game environment on Sunday. What's the value for a team like you guys just gaining experience in those big game, big stage moments? Um, I don't see it being that much different. I see it, you know, because everybody always, the, the uh, rivalry, whatever, I, I think it's going to be, you know, the same environment. Um, so I don't see it being too much different, but, I mean, like I said, it's going to be fun. It'll be a fun environment to walk into, um, you know, their home field. Uh, I know their fans going to be loud because there's not much to do with Green Bay except watch football, but... Um, <laughs> Uh oh. Uh oh. Them fighting words. Yeah. Not inaccurate. You no, know, Todd, totally. But still. <laughs> still. Not the kind of thing to which they'll take kindly in Green Bay. As yet again, second straight year, home game to finish the season with high stakes. Win and I don't think it's straight winning in. I have access to all the playoff scenarios. I have not committed them to memory yet. Packers, it is winning it. Packers, it is winning it. Yeah, it they, in fact, in. I think can go to the lose. sixth seed, Mike, because they have the tiebreaker with the Rams if the Rams were to lose this weekend. So there you go. And the Rams are starting Carson Wentz at quarterback on Sunday. So there you go. Then again, the 49ers are starting Sam Darnold. So you could argue it's a wash, although Darnold, Wentz, right now, Rams, 49ers, who knows? But. What we saw last year was Lions went in. Yeah. And the Packers needed to win last game of the season on NBC, and the Lions put it to them. So the Lions this year, the Bears, have the opportunity to put the icing on the cake of a season of yeah. kind of late resurgence uh-huh. where it propels them into the offseason and it cements Matt Eberflus as coach, Ryan Poles as GM, and Justin Fields as quarterback if the Bears can pull this off. And – I, you know, on Sunday, Steve Karnacki made it clear that whoever lost that game between the Vikings and the Packers was pretty much done. For the Packers, it went all the way to 0%. For the right. Vikings, it went to 3%. And the Vikings looked so bad on Sunday night. It just reconfirmed your position in mind that you don't want a team in there that's not going to be able to compete. No, you definitely and don't. And the Vikings don't look like a team right now that can compete in the NFC playoff field. They've lost three in a row. It just hasn't been good. Quarterback play all over the place. Bench this guy, bench that guy, bench that guy. But, but the one playoff scenario I do have committed to memory is the Vikings because it stunned me to see that if the Packers lose to the Bears, which isn't impossible, if the Seahawks lose to the Cardinals, which isn't impossible, no. the way the Cardinals have been playing, and they're trying to do that same closing kick right. to go into the offseason with a great feeling. And if either, either the Saints or the Bucks lose, Saints play the Falcons, Bucks play the Panthers, that's not likely. But the Saints losing to the Falcons, that's not impossible. And if the Vikings somehow win a game, that's the one thing that I don't have much faith in. The other stuff can happen. The Vikings actually beating the Lions, I don't think can happen. 
the rest of the stuff could happen. So the table is set potentially for the Vikings to win and somehow sneak in as the seventh seed with an eight and nine record and then go to Dallas and get destroyed in the wild card round. So I just, again, I don't see the Vikings winning at Detroit this weekend because the Lions are salty and they're, they, they seem to be intent on playing their starters and kind of getting the bad taste out of their mouth from last Saturday night. So anyway, there, there's a weird way the planets can line up and the Vikings can punch a ticket to go get their lights punched out by the Cowboys. I mean, hey, there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a gleam, men. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, it, I find it Ain't unlikely. I find it unlikely. It's amazing that there's a chance. Yeah, it it's is amazing. There's a chance. Well, I think you know you 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 brought up a few things there. First off, I I very much feel like the Bears are this year's Lions a little bit, right? Right. And it, and I kind of talked about this on my podcast yesterday a little bit about because Ahmed Farid's a big Lions fan. There he goes again. Well, there he goes again. Saving his good stuff for his own podcast. Well, it, it, you it just whatever. Although you've talked about it here too. Yeah, you've talked about it. Okay, here. good, good. So, I just want, but but yeah, I mean the, the the what they're doing. You know, we we talked about Justin Fields, the talent they got on their team. Right, they're building something for a jump-off spot to next year, like we hit on yesterday. Man, you know, you do keep Justin Fields, which I think they should. You can allot all those draft picks to other parts on your team. So I, I, I'm excited for the Bears. I really am, and I, I certainly don't think they're going to go. Oh, it's Week 18. You know, we had a pretty good year. We're going to lay it down here. No, I think they're going to continue this momentum. They've been fighting for the last six or seven weeks. I think what people don't realize is like. You know, they're out of the playoff picture, but they have the same record as a lot of those teams that are on the right side of that column on our graphic that said in the hunt, right? So that's where I, you know, the Packers are only one game better than the Bears. They're eight and eight, and the Bears are seven and nine, right? So I, I think, you know, you almost have to readjust your brain because we've canceled the Bears out of the playoff picture for so long. Um, so I, I, you know, it will be interesting to watch that and see see if the uh, Green Bay Packers can answer the challenge that the Bears have brought to other teams here as of late. Because last year, with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, yeah. the Packers failed in this spot. This is a great way for Jordan Love to distinguish himself from his predecessor. Last year, Rodgers, when he was leading the team, it fell flat. This year, will it rise up against a team that is showing all the indications of being the hot team heading into the offseason, just like the Cardinals, who are showing some indications of being pretty hot themselves against the Seahawks, who have looked a little wobbly. I mean, they lost to the Steelers at home with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. What Are you, are, are you kidding me? This is a team that's trying to make the late kick to the playoffs, and they playoffs, and they lose at home to Mason Rudolph. So I don't have much faith. Well, I don't want to say that. I don't have overabundance of faith. I'm not saying automatic win Packers, automatic win Seahawks, but at the same time, I don't see the the Vikings pulling it off in Detroit. Yeah, I hear Regardless, you. All right, wait, one more. Makes for an interesting Sunday. There's so much stuff that feels settled. It's just strange that there's some convoluted stuff still yeah. out there because this whole week has felt like it's JV time that – it's all about who's resting because so much is already determined. Yeah, I think a majority of the the league, or at least the teams that are important to us, yeah, it's going to be a lot of guys sitting and and you know not not the top quality players playing. But we still got a few games out there that that really do mean something. So we'll hone in on those. You know, honestly, I'm actually glad that you know it's this way. So now we can focus on the games that matter and not have so many games that really like you know. Uh, could take away our attention. There's a few that I'll just be able to cross off the list and go, okay, I don't really care what happens in this one. I'll keep a little eye on it and have a feel for it, but you know, I'm not totally interested in gauging the 49ers-Rams football game because it's not really going to give you a realistic look of who they are or what they are at this point. All right, one question for you because you brought it up. I mean, is it is it disrespectful to – say that all there is to do is go to football games in Green Bay? I don't know. You know, as a football guy, if I was living there, I might be like, yeah, it's cool. It's title town. We're all about football. That's right. So, you know, I, I guess we'd have to ask one of those people up there to, to get their opinion on that. Yeah, look, and I mean, he just kind of accidentally let the truth fly out of his mouth. It is amazing that a market like Green Bay, which is not a major market and they take pride in that it is amazing the team has survived there for as long as it has I think that's a byproduct of the 
the necessity that ownership had in the early days of the NFL to raise money. They decided to sell stock. That team is rooted. It's never leaving Green Bay. There's no way it could ever leave Green Bay at this point, not with all the dilution of the ownership. and all. It's just not, not going to happen. When you have one owner of a team, you can pick up and you can go if your lease allows it, if the league allows it. The Packers are there forever, and I think that's one of the things that makes the NFL great. There's always going to be that old-school vibe. There's always going to yeah. be an old-school team. There's always going to be this community team that is tied inextricably to its fans. And I think it's it's great that there isn't a whole lot to do in Green Bay other than support the Packers. It gets the Packers even more support than other teams would have. Somebody raised the question with me yesterday about this not impressive slate of Week 18 games because of the lack of real consequences. Well, is that proof there shouldn't be more games? You're always going to have this when you get to the end of the season. We had it when there were 16 games, and I suspect we had it when there were 14 games. You have enough separation. You have spots clenched. You get to the point where that last week doesn't mean anything. I think that's always going to be the case. The last week has a chance of not meaning a whole lot for a lot of the teams. And if you had more games, not that I'm saying there should be more games, that doesn't mean the last two weeks or three weeks are going to be meaningless. You're still going to have stuff that comes down to the last week. Period. Now, the fact that there's two extra playoff spots helps. That that keeps teams alive longer. Yes, it If does. you had only six per conference, maybe last week would have been not as relevant across the board. But, you know, some weeks there's a lot of relevance in the – or some years, excuse me, there's a lot of relevance in the final week, and some years there isn't. It, and, and, and this year it really didn't crystallize until week 17. It wasn't like we saw this coming. It felt for a while like it was all going to come down to 18 for a lot of these questions to be answered. It didn't. The one seeds determined week 17. Could have been week 18. Could have happened. Could have gone that way. You get a couple of games go differently, and it does go that way. Adds more drama to week 18. So it just kind of is what it is, as they say. But adding games wouldn't change that. No. It's not going to make it two, three weeks of irrelevant football. No, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it it shuck out a little unlucky for us viewers that some of the teams, you know, that are playing each other don't have anything. But still, we're sitting here in week 18, and there's 20 teams viable to make the playoffs, right? I mean, I know some of them are in there, but there's 20 teams so-called in it or alive right now. Uh, how much more do you want? You know, I, I don't understand. Here's the thing I miss. This is the thing I miss, and I think about it the last two years. The, the, and what adds intrigue to this week is that we, we are forgetting how awesome it used to be for the fight for the number two seed because there was a bye week. That was another thing that added a lot of intrigue and interest to this last week of the regular season. Right, you'd have fights for that. Kansas City, by all due accounts, would still be available for the two seed this week if they still kept that and a first round bye. Because if if Miami loses to Buffalo, well, maybe they wouldn't be alive. They're Excuse me. Three. Yeah, they lost to Buffalo, in. so they're locked into three. Locked in. All right, so that messed up my point. But either way, I do miss that. Okay, I do miss that fight for the number two and that first round bye, and that usually adds a little more, you know, a game or two of interest too. Uh, to this whole conversation. I didn't know we were going to go there, but oh. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about the NFC oh. and of course that's still available right. too. Right. And Hey, it would have even put more significance onto the fateful two point play that ended the Saturday right. night game between yeah. the Lions and the Cowboys, yeah. because it's not just a spot on the playoff tree. It is a buy. At least it used to be a buy. And I'm still not thrilled with only one team getting a buy. I'm not and either. No. I just as soon say let's go eight and eight, but you can't do it with sixteen teams in the conference. You can't have half the teams make it. And I'm not saying they should add teams, but until they add teams, unless they add teams, it doesn't really it doesn't make sense to go to eight. By the way, by the way, I know that some verbs are harder to conjugate than others, and I'm also very sensitive to the possibility of another accidental scholar situation. Right. But shuck out, I don't think. I don't think is English. Okay. I don't. Sh- a shook out? But I'm not sure. I was probably trying, trying shook to Shook out, I think, shook. is the right way to say it. I didn't know it. I Shuck said out. Shuck. Yeah. No, that was, yeah, yeah. That was just um, misspeaking. That wasn't accidental scholar Simsism type material there. But I think we got some coming later. That's what they there all are. Yeah. That's what they all are. Well, well, and I, I was inundated yes. yesterday yes. with emails. That's right. Once our show was televised Tell on Sky Sports NFL. And by the way, Good friend of the program, good friend of the website in London right now sent a picture of us in a pub 
on yesterday in London. Is that right? Or England or somewhere there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but phone box yes. is what they call it. <laughs> phone box is the word. Yes. So you had no idea and I had no idea. And I found out yesterday over and over and over again from all of our great fans and viewers in London, UK, Ireland. Phone box. Yes. See? Their phone booth would be the Simsism. Yes, exactly. See, I knew. I knew I was right. I mean, thank you for, you know, the, the UK for, I, you know, making making Florio and everybody stand corrected that, you know, I'm really speaking proper English and you guys are the ones that are lacking. You're, you just got to keep up with me. I'll keep you sharp on what it's really called. I mean, they invented the language and we changed it here in America. I'm trying to teach everybody some history here. <laughs> And, and you know, you, you mentioned that you have some of the phone boxes in Greenwich, yeah. the red see, right. British exactly. phone box. Right. So you see that the next time, that's a phone box. It's a phone box. When you're box. taking somebody on a tour of Greenwich, you can say, these are phone boxes. I'll take a picture so, of the ones the way, around town one, so you can see them in these little old English manners, basically, or what they are. I'll take There's There's I, two I, I can think one. of. I I want one. There it is. There's I the phone want. box. There's Pauline. What's up, Pauline? Unfortunately, unfortunately, Christmas has come and gone, or I would have told my wife I would like a phone box for Christmas, and of course, she would have said the same thing that she said when I said I want a Ferrari for Christmas and I want another dog for Christmas. That would have been no and no. Uh, you You get much more blunt answers from your spouse than you get from Santa Claus. Uh, Matt Casey chimes in with an important point as we're talking about the two seed. There still is relevance to the two seed, even though you don't get a buy, because you're locked into up to two home games for the playoffs. You get a weaker opponent out of the gates, and you avoid the potential track if you're in the same division. And we're looking at that with the Dolphins and the Bills in the AFC and the Cowboys and the Eagles in the NFC. Whoever doesn't win the NFC East finds themselves in the 49ers' path quicker. That team may have to face the 49ers and the NFC East champion to get to the Super Bowl instead of just one of them. If you're the two-seed there's a way things play out where you avoid one yeah. of the other great teams. Not that the Eagles still fall into that category now, but you get my point. You you defer the 49ers game as long as possible, which, hey, to the extent the Cowboys would just like to get to the NFC Championship game, that two seed means a lot. Give me two home games, and I'll take my chances there, versus a home game or a road game against the NFC South champion, and then – a trip to San Francisco. That's not the way to get the NFC. Oh, no, I hear you. I mean, listen, you'd like to avoid that. There is that, right? I still don't think it's the same intrigue as a, a bye week and, and you know, having that time off, right? I think the whole thing's an interesting conversation altogether, right? Like, I sit there and I look at Detroit this weekend, and you said, you know, it, it seems like and everything we saw that they're going to play. I don't know if I missed anything of them saying they were not going to play the whole game, but I got the sense that it seemed like they were going out there to play. Right. For for a team like that, I don't know. Is the two, the three seed that important? I understand, of course, if you play that team, the three, you're the two seed and you're the three seed in the NFC championship game. You get home, you get the home game. I understand that. But would you put, you know, that which I don't think there's a great chance of that happening anyways. Over the fact of let's keep our team healthy and rest this week, and who cares if we're the three seed or the two seed? I think it's a a value conversation. If I was coaching a team, I'd certainly be thinking about it a little bit. If it shakes out, yeah. Dallas two, Lions three, yeah, and they both win their wild card games at home, right? And they'll play each the other. The rematch between yeah. the Lions right. and the Cowboys is in Dallas. Yeah. If it's three Cowboys, two Lions, the rematch is at Ford Field. And this year particularly, given everything that happened on Saturday, and the Cowboys will be the living, breathing, football-playing symbol of the frustration that the Lions fans still feel five days after they believe they got screwed, makes it a little easier to get into full-throat 100-plus decibels. And here comes this, this... thing that you hate and they're coming to your place i think you'd rather them come to you than you go back to them for the rematch so even though a buy isn't in play there's still something to be said even though home field advantage when you look at it generally isn't as critical as it used to be i think specifically it is high stakes games it is the cowboys 
It is. You get the Cowboys out of AT&T Stadium. They've won 16 in a row there now. something to them now. for sure. Even though. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, two versus three, even without a bye, still has meaning. It, and, and two versus, when you get two teams in the same division and one's going to be the two seed and one's going to be a wild card, that definitely means something. No, we know that about that. It right. keeps you off the track to go to Santa Clara or Baltimore, as the case may be, in the AFC. And speaking of the AFC, let's get to that. That's yeah. the... The, the biggest game of the week, the most impactful game of the week. You've got the winner will be the two seed. The loser will be six seed. Or the Bills could be out of it altogether. The Bills could be gone altogether. If the Jaguars beat the Titans and the Steelers beat the Ravens, who are going to lay down. And I see a lot of people saying the Ravens should lay down because it's better to get the Bills out than the Steelers. I disagree with that. I still think you don't want this. You don't want a division rival in the playoffs ever if you can avoid it. But that's the game. That's the one with the highest stakes of all of the games that are coming up this weekend. Bills, Dolphins. Bills could be anywhere from two seed to going home. That's just amazing to have that much of a swing. Yeah, it is. It's a huge football game, and, and uh, as you've said, I mean the Bills are certainly one of the best teams in football right now. And to think that they can't be in the playoffs, uh, possibly with a loss this weekend, would be incredible, right? I would err on more on. I mean, even you know, if I'm Baltimore, I'd still rather see Pittsburgh in the playoffs and see Josh Allen and Buffalo in that group there. But I understand your point. It's scary nonetheless with the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They beat Baltimore this year once already right in Pittsburgh now I mean Baltimore dominated the football game and that was the game they dropped like three or four touchdown passes and probably 150 plus yards of passes but still it's scary and we know about that you know common common division opponent where they, they know your tricks and they know how to stop and play you certain ways that, that other teams won't so that I hear that but man this game uh, this got the, all the all the billings of greatness on Sunday night it really does you know, of course, we got you know a Miami Dolphins offense and team that is very talented, but certainly um, not not as high flying as we thought it was early in the year, right? You know, we've seen defenses have figured out a little bit how to defend them here, especially the good ones, the ones with defensive coaches who can think outside the box a little bit, and of course have a little talent to go with it. Right, Miami all of a sudden seems pretty ordinary when they have to play those type of defenses, and that's what Buffalo is. They're coming to town, defensive head coach. You know, they're pretty healthy. Miami's offense has struggled against teams that have a good front four, and they make the game ugly, like we've talked about a little bit. You take away the screens, right? You know, you take away the little pop slants that we saw early on in the game by the Miami Dolphins, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, so what else is there in the offense? What else are you gonna do? Tua doesn't throw deep out routes or comebacks or anything like that. So, you know, that's where it's going to be fun to watch. And, and then, I mean, we could break down the other side of the ball in a minute. But Buffalo's offense certainly not high-flying right now either. Uh, and that'll, that'll add to, you know, the intrigue in the matchup as well. And one of the realities, and I guess it's fitting in a season where so many quarterbacks have been injured, both quarterbacks are on the injury report. They fully participated in practice yesterday. Tua Tonga-Vailoa for the Dolphins will start there. He's got the lingering quadriceps injury. The yeah. thumb injury is off the report, but the left shoulder was on there as well. Now, in the aftermath of Sunday's game, Tua says he's good, it's sore, he's fine. Mike McDaniel, head coach, Monday said he's fine. Here's Tua from yesterday talking about that left shoulder injury he suffered in Baltimore. So how's your shoulder feeling? Is it kind of limiting you in any way? How are you feeling? My shoulder's good, brother. It's all good. Thank you. And we saw um, on Hard Knocks you were complaining about um, inflammation maybe on the thumb. Um, um, it was bruised. Um, so they show that. Mm-hmm. Everyone has the nicks and bruises uh, at this point of the season. Um, so, you know, that's, that's not an excuse for me. Uh, but that's, that's what was going on, so... Yeah. yeah, I think they do get numb to the presence of the cameras and the microphones. Yeah, I think they're there. Where you don't yeah. even realize it. And that makes the editing process even more important. He may have had a little consternation there over the fact that they didn't leave that on the cutting room floor. And Tua is the one player who's been the most. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. 
They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. sensitive about this notion of opening their lives and you see him in there a lot and you wonder how sensitive he is to the presence of the cameras based upon how he's acting what he's saying what he's doing but that might be one that he wishes they weren't as open about because one thing I've noticed in watching Hard Knocks you know he suffered that weird gash on his arm that looked like somebody bit a chunk out of it and it was remember how like what in the world it's not even bleeding what is that yeah and it's it's been patched one week it was patched one week it wasn't that has never been mentioned once on hard knocks not a single time i mean for such a rare fluky strange thing that was so visually jarring for that to not be mentioned once, that's just more evidence of how the teams involved in this do have a lot of power well, over what gets talked about and what doesn't. And it suggests that Tua just didn't want anyone talking about well, it. Well, I, I don't think it's that crazy. Everybody else on the football team's got chunks of skin missing, too. It's just weird when we see the quarterback. So that, that would be a little bit of like what I would throw back at you there. You, know, you rarely see you rarely see somebody's arm that looks like a leopard a came up out of nowhere yeah, sure. and bit a piece out of his bicep. Yeah, I, you rarely see that. Yeah, I, I listen. You don't see it a lot of quarterbacks. If you went around a locker room and saw linemen and some linebackers, they're gonna have parts where you're gonna go, man. I don't think his skin's ever going to grow back the same there or there or on his thigh or on his leg. Like, it's going to grow back, and he's going to have a weird scar there. The rest. So I have a few of those where, hey, cleats, a face mask, right, where they screw in it, screw the, the face mask in. It can be a little sharp. You can get chunks kind of ripped out of your skin at times where you're like, what the hell? You got a cleat that steps on your leg, right? So that can happen. But, like, to your point still, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they don't want to share everything that's out there. They don't. And, I, listen, the thumb thing and what he had there, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, he was going around talking to the coach, right? They were gauging it a little bit. Uh, but, but either way, Tua's got to play better than he did last week. We know that. And Miami's got a big challenge in front of them this week. Again, we've seen here with Miami, uh, like I said, you take away a few of those tricks, they struggle. What's the next move for Miami? What are they going to do, right? You know, what, 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 if once, like, the, the Bills take away the screens and the throws down the middle, right, to Tyreek, where we see them play action and boom, real quick, how they got a few plays in the first half of that game against the Ravens. Okay, the Ravens saw it three or four times. Then that fourth time, what happened? Oh, pick, Rock, Roquan Smith down the middle, same type of route. What was the second interception? Uh, oh, right down the middle, seven people right all over there. He was trying to fit it in. So that's where I worry about the Miami Dolphins is you could play them to areas right now. And the one thing I look about them with Mike, Mike, that I look at them and go, like, this is one area where they could be better at. And, and the stats will even show you that. And you know me, I'm not always about, oh, the stats, right? There's context in stats. But in a lot of these games they've lost, they've run the ball well. They just don't run it enough. They're a little too obsessed with we got to throw it to Tyreek and Waddle, and that's what we're famous for. But, man, I don't know. When you're rushing for seven yards per carry, uh, like you did last week against the Baltimore Ravens, and you have some runs in the first half that are ripping off 15 and 20 yards, 
And then you go six, seven plays, eight plays, a series, two series without running the football. Yeah, teams start to go, well, we don't believe they'll do it. We'll just keep playing pass defense and worry about Tyree Kill. And that's one thing I look at them that they can improve or change about their football team to maybe get the looks on defense to open up some of those plays that we talk about and what make them so exciting all the time. I caught up on Hard Knocks yesterday. I yeah. was an episode behind. I watched the the two most recent ones, and I've been watching now with a more critical eye after you raised the point that, and look, we're, we're not making any conclusions here. We're just having the conversation. There's a toughness, a badassness. There's a in-your-face. There's there's something that maybe would serve the Dolphins well. Yes, and, right? You know, I, it, and I'm not suggesting that Mike McDaniel needs to go around kicking guys in the ass and dragging them around by the face mask and being anyone other than who he is. We've praised him for being so authentic. One right. of the reasons his authenticity stands out is because he's quirky and he's funny and he's thoughtful and he's loquacious and he's just different. He's just different. But he does not ooze, kick you in the ass, take your lunch money, we're going to bully you on the football field, we're going to use physicality to win games, not finesse. Right. He's more finesse than physicality. Right. And there's a time for both. Yep. And I think that's one of the things, as they evaluate themselves as to what they need to do to get over the hump next year, yeah. assuming the road ends before the Super Bowl, and it feels like it will after losing 56-19, to I think that's something that Mike McDaniel needs to assess and incorporate into his team. Now, some of the hard knock scenes have included meetings with assistant coaches who give a little more of that that energy and that, you know, football is ultimately a physical confrontation with the man across from you vibe. Right. I just feel like the Dolphins need more of that. I'm with and you. And I agree with you. Yeah. I'm paying much more attention to that now after you made that point. Yeah, it, it just, it, again, you know, hey, growing up in a locker room, right, you know, of course playing myself – uh, I've got great respect for what they do down there and, and, and certainly have loved, you know, the turnaround as far as what Mike McDaniels brought to that offense and yeah, a fresh new vibe to the Miami Dolphins. And, and of course his, his magical ways of getting people open and designing cool plays is all, it's really cool. But as we've seen this year, right? I mean, with the losses, what are all the losses have in common? It's kind of the gritty, tough physical team that they go, Oh, wait, this isn't going to be a track meet and high five. Like we're going to be in the phone box and we're just going to punch and fight right here, right? And then it doesn't it doesn't go so well in those type of matchups with the Miami Dolphins. You know, you talk about the Chiefs, their they their defense they can kind of do that. You know, the Eagles, we know they're big and physical everywhere. The Titans, Buffalo the first time around, of course the Ravens last week. So there's an element there that yeah, between watching them on the field and then watching the show itself, where you know, they could maybe be a little more uncomfortable in that building, right? The, the, the teams that I've been around and, and, and evaluated or watched or even know that are really successful, right, it's not always, like, so fun and positive and happy all the time. I think if you went in New England in the prime or you go into the 49ers right now, right, or a big week, a week where they're not, you know, sitting players, John Harbaugh with the Ravens, like, it's not always smiles and laughs. It's it's a little uncomfortable and a little like, oh, man, we got to play better this week and we got to be tougher, let alone I think the TV and film show, like, they don't have, like, what you're saying, that reckless, hard-ass, like, fly around, we'll just knock your head off no matter what, like the 49ers, the Ravens, some of the other teams we've talked about uh, during the year. And And again – you know, every team that isn't where it wants to be engages in that process of identifying the weaknesses and addressing them. And we'll see how much the Dolphins can address that from 2023 to 2024 based on how things end this year. And I'm not saying they're done. No, I'm not no. saying it's over. No, nah, they're scary but still. 56 to 19. Yeah. 56 to 19. Right. On December 31. Right. So close to the playoffs. Right. I mean, Look, they beat the Dolphins 70-20 to 20 in week three. You take one like that just before the postseason, it's, yes. it's going to be hard to get people to believe, and it's going to be hard to get people in the building to believe. I think it's hard to come back from that. It's a slower process to come back from that kind of an outcome. I'm not saying they can't. They just don't have a whole lot of time yeah. to turn it around right. after what happened on Sunday. I, I, All right, I, the Bills uh, have turned it around. Yep. 
Go ahead. No, uh, I just I, I, I think you're you're right about that. You know, we kind of hit that when the Cowboys lost to the the Buffalo Bills a few weeks ago, right? You just don't see teams that make deep run in the playoffs or get to the Super Bowl that lose by 21 or 37 or whatever. It's really rare. I don't. I can't think of a team that made it to the AFC Championship to, uh, uh, Championship game in any time in recent history that just even got to the AFC Championship game or the NFC Championship game and lost the game in that fashion late in the year, right? So, I mean, I think your point is real. Let alone now there's no Bradley Chubb, Xavier Howard's hurt a little bit, right? Jalen Waddle's battling something. So, you know, they got, they got a few issues here as they're kind of limping into the playoffs uh, against Buffalo this weekend. The key is to bottom out at a time when you still have an opportunity to turn it around. I was thinking back as you were just saying what you were saying to the Steelers in 2005 when they bottomed out losing to the Bengals and started to climb out one game after another game after another game. The next thing you know, they barely get into the playoffs and then they start winning, winning, winning. They're in the Super Bowl and somehow they win it. You have to have an opportunity. After that low point, the low point has to come early enough that you can start digging, and that's That's exactly what happened to the Bills. The low point came. The turning point, as Rasul Douglas told me after his two-interception defensive player of the week performance against the Patriots, when Sean McDermott addressed the team after that article, 20,000-plus words, taking aim at McDermott from various directions, the notorious 9-11 speech that he gave a couple of years ago, they began to turn it around after that. They rallied around their coach. They've been winning. Now, they haven't been as impressive as they were that day they took out the Cowboys, but they've still kept winning. Yeah. And now this is going to be the test, the ultimate test, two seed versus possibly being out of it. Josh Allen, he's on the injury report Mm. with – a neck, and I think there was one other injury on there too as well. Regardless, he fully participated in practice. Here he is. Well, before we get to that, before we get to, to him talking about Stephon Diggs, he says the neck's okay. It won't affect him at all. I can't imagine it affecting him. This is one of those games where you need to unleash Josh Allen. You, you don't worry about the future. Don't worry about him getting banged up. Get out there and let him do his thing. Let him run the ball. Let him run around. Let him throw the ball. Let him make magic. That's why he's there for moments like this to take the game over, be Josh Allen, and carry the team on his back. We see it week in and week out where they want him to carry the team, but they don't let him unleash the full arsenal of things he can do. This is one of those weeks where he's carrying the team, and you say to him, do whatever you have to do to move the football down the field, and don't worry if you get hurt. No, I, I, you know, we've seen that from the Bills in the past, right? Must-win games, late December, January, whatever. All of a sudden, they unleash a few more Josh Allen-designed quarterback runs. You know, we know he's got a hard time gauging or sliding or you know getting out of harm's way. Anyways, he plays. I don't know. Am I wrong? Arguably the most physical brand of football of quarterback of anybody in in the game right now. I don't think. I don't think it's close, actually. You know, and and again, that's kind of why he's banged up, because when things do get desperate, like they were a little last week, because they couldn't move the ball a lick on that Patriots defense, they started to run them, and they started to go, "Damn, lower your shoulder, because it's fourth and one, and we need you to get the first down here." So run over this guy here and get the first down. Oh, you know, here's another run. Run over the DN, and while you're on the way down, pitch it out to the back uh, on your on your way down. So I would expect us to see some of that, right? Their passing game, not hitting on all cylinders. Definitely not. People have caught up, I think, to what Joe Brady likes to do a little bit. It wasn't overly creative to begin with. We know that. And the talent there at receiver is less than compared to the really good teams in football. So they're another team, a little, Mike, where you know we talked about the Dolphins. and you know, The Bills have shown they can be gritty. They, they've shown that. And they did that in the, Bill, the, the Cowboys game, like you mentioned, right? They got to continue to lean on that. You know, you've heard me say with Kansas City, like embrace the ugliness a little bit. I kind of feel the same way with Buffalo. Like don't fall in the trap of just like, oh, we got to get in the shotgun and throw it every play. I'm okay with the shotgun and using Josh Allen like you're saying, but let's use it more through the basis of the run game. I think that's the best thing they got going right now. I do. When you look at that and James Cook and the way their offensive line's playing and, of course, his ability to run the ball off that, to me, that's the number one thing they do that stresses defenses out when I watch them on film, and I would hope that they bring that out and continue to bring that out here through the playoffs if they get in the playoffs. The other injury for Josh Allen is a right finger, and if 
you don't know which finger it is. It's hard to determine what kind of an impact it's going to have on gripping and throwing the football. And they didn't practice yesterday. They had one of those weird designations where didn't practice. This is an estimation of what would have happened if they had practice. Josh Allen would have fully participated in the estimation of the Bills with the neck injury and the right finger injury. So we'll see how much of a factor that is. That finger worries me a little bit until we know which one it is. Because as you've explained in the past, different fingers have different different degrees of significance when it's time to actually throw the football. Yeah, it 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 it'd be it'll be interesting to see if like there's a wrap or anything we can kind of gleam on on Sunday night to see what finger it is or if we figure it out through the week. But yeah, I'd be worried. I mean, if it's his ring finger, I'd go, "Oh, no, that's 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 trouble. He might lose control of the ball a little bit." You know, as we've talked about before, if it's the pointer finger, the ball that the, the finger that's on the top of the ball, I I won't feel as bad. That's not as important as far as the quality and accuracy of the football. So, uh, yeah, we'll see where that goes. But like you said, we know this guy, right? He's playing. If his head's not falling off, he's playing. That's Josh Allen, and and I respect that about him. Here's Josh Allen talking about one of the biggest issues hovering over the Bills in recent weeks. Stephon Diggs is basically MIA, taken out of the game. Here's Allen on the low production and basically how easy it would be or not easy to force the ball to Diggs even when he's covered. It'd be extremely easy to force him. You know, that's um, you know that's where the balance comes in of needing to get him involved but also trying to play the quarterback position um, the right way and find the guys that are, you know, open in the progression. Um, but again, make no mistake about it. Like, we got to get him involved. You know, we're our best when he's playing at his best. Um, so that's something we're looking forward to, to doing. And uh, just trying to, at the end of the day, we're just trying to win a football game and, and secure a spot in the playoffs. Defenses, you know, whether it's doubling him or throwing a safety over him or, um, you know, being being the first reading progressions and just getting off of it um, maybe too quickly. Um there's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes into it, uh, but again, we're we're looking forward to, to working hard and fixing it, and uh, like I said, win football games. How's he dealing with this? He's been, he's been fantastic. You know, he's he's been a true professional about it. Obviously, you know, uh, there's times where he wants the ball, and it's de- deservedly so. You know, he's one of the best, if not the best, receivers in the game, and you know, he he acquired or he. he he gets a lot of attention from defenses, so um, sometimes it's just how it plays out, but i got to be, be better in that aspect too. It really is amazing to see how they've taken away Stephon Diggs, and maybe it gets back to your point that Joe Brady's new yeah. offense, it's, you know, you, the defenses have seen enough. We see with the backup quarterbacks. You get two or three games before they start to figure out what you're doing, then you got to be able to counter it, and the Bills haven't been able to counter it, and Diggs... These are not the numbers that you would expect from him over a four-game stretch. 24 yards, 48 yards, 29 yards, 26 yards. Decoy is not why you have Stephon Diggs on your team. And the great receivers and the offenses that are great around great receivers find ways to get him the ball. And, you know, that's the thing. If he's not open down the field, just still find ways to get him involved in the offense. Just get the ball in his hands just to, to keep him fully engaged. Yeah. I, I still think that it's on the offense. When the door is shut through the traditional ways of getting him the football down the field, yeah. you got to come up with other ways to right. get the ball in his hands and make him a part of your offense. Yeah, I, I totally agree, right? You know, you see the Dolphins, you see the 49ers, oh, wait, we haven't got Debo or Tyreek the ball. Let's get him reversed. Let's get him a screen, right? They need him involved. There's There's no doubt about that. Now, I think the lack of production, too, is a little bit about where their team has gone. You know, I think one of the reasons they were sitting at 6-6 six and six and you know there was issues there with the offense and why Ken Dorsey got fired is because it became a little bit about, hey, we got to get shotgun and we just got to throw the ball to Stephon Diggs all the time. Oh, wait, we're losing, but we're throwing it. Look at all this. Great. So they've gotten into a little bit like, let's just do whatever we got to do to win the damn game. Stop worrying about stats or how Josh Allen looks or digs or the receivers or whatever. Just win the damn game. So I think that's happened a little bit here down the, str- down the stretch where they've just said, we're not worried about anybody's statistical outlook, right? I mean, Josh Allen certainly hasn't had big stats either. He could sit there and go, wait, I'm, I'm like maybe the most talented quarterback in the history of football. Could we throw the ball more? But they've gone, no, we're going to win the games. We've got to do whatever we've got to do this week. So I think that's affected it. The Joe Brady offense, people figuring that out a little bit, right? And 
you know, the other thing is too, and you've heard me say this is it's just what, well, you know, a few weeks ago, Diggs mentioned like he got doubled, right? Justin Reed for the Chiefs, I believe, added you on pro football talk on social media and said we never doubled them during the game. You know, I watched that Chiefs game on film. I watched the Patriots game last week on film, right? They didn't double stuff. Nobody's doubling Stephon Diggs, Mike. Nobody's nobody's doubling them. No, you know, in the Chiefs game, there might have been two plays in the first half where they bracketed bracketed Stephon Diggs because he was in a position where he might run one of those option routes where he could go in or out. But I don't even know if it was doubling Stephon Diggs more than just doubling the guy in that position that they knew that was going to run that type of route. So he's not getting favoritism that way. It's not that. you know. I think it's more about the, the way the offense is going and they are running the ball and they're trying to get James Cook and the tight ends the football a little bit. And then I think you couple that together with, yeah, the offense and people getting a feel for Joe Brady and all that. And I think all of that has led to Stephon Diggs' you know, lack of production, let alone I don't think he's one of the five best receivers in football or anything like that. And if you watch film and watch teams play him that way, and I don't mean to say this disrespectful, they're not playing him like he's a superstar receiver. They're not. He's really damn good. But he is not in the class of, like we've talked about, Tyreek, Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel. You know, it's not one of those guys. And, uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of a – a reality check in that and that people need to realize that a little bit and it makes you wonder are there injuries we don't know about he turned 30 not that long ago we always assume that father time is going to catch up with someone in the off season there's a chance that father time starts to catch up with you during a season you're not recovering week in and week out to the just the grind of playing in a game your body's starting to tell you things I don't know any of this but if they're not doubling him if they're not making concerted effort to take him out of the game plan, which makes it easier to shut down the rest of the offense if you're not devoting extra resources to taking away Stephon Diggs, then there's something there. There's something up. And there's always been a weird vibe. Not always, but for the past year or so, there's been a weird vibe between Diggs and the Bills. You don't know what the cause of it is. And he's been remarkably quiet. It feels like it's the last year. There haven't been any clips. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, it do- yeah, it does. It does. It feels like this is it for Diggs. And, and that's why he's being quiet. The charges, the yeah. guarantees, et cetera. He knows. He know, everyone will remember uh, the, the Trayvon Diggs tweets from several weeks back, and, and it just created a sense that he's not making this stuff up. He's talking to his brother, right. and he's saying out loud the things that his brother might be telling him behind the scenes. So you're right. It feels like the train is coming into the station for Stephon Diggs in Buffalo, and we'll see where he lands next year. By the way, Tyreek Hill, this was uh, kind of alarming yesterday afternoon when the word came out. He, he's at practice and he had to leave because his house was on fire. And yeah. it looks like extensive damage was done right. at his house. Uh, there's video of him in a walking boot on his left foot still. And you could see he's a little annoyed and perturbed as anyone would be as their house is burning down. There's no word on what the cause of it is. He wasn't home. His wife wasn't home. So uh, big house, expensive house, and a huge element of turmoil that gets thrown into your life at a critical juncture of football season right because now your life is turned upside down you're going to be staying somewhere else your routine is completely disrupted away from football it does make football and work kind of a sanctuary it's the only place where things are still normal that's the benefit but when it's time to clock out and go home his life is going to be in disarray for the remainder of the season and longer yeah, it's uh, it's a pain in the butt, certainly. I mean, it is a distraction. It, it's a Wednesday practice yesterday, and your best offensive player had to leave the facility right and go uh, take care of, of his family in his house, which he should. You know, thank God nobody was hurt. It's, you know, everybody made it out okay. And it sounds like, you know, from what I read, it was all limited to really one, maybe two rooms in the house, so they got it under control. But, you know, no question. You're right. You would think he had to sleep at a hotel last night and certainly turned his life upside down and takes him out of a, a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, but hopefully he can block all that out and keep being the cheetah when it comes to uh, football on Sunday night. You've got the combination of the fire damage and the water damage to put the fire out. And 
you know, you'll have exposed areas to the elements after that. I don't know how you seal off a yeah, house and right. stay in part of it. I, I, I just don't know whether it shuts down the whole place. Regardless, it is a major ordeal. Anytime something like that happens to your house, it is a major ordeal that turns everything upside down. Years ago, our water pressure, unbeknownst to us, was through the roof, and it popped the line going into the tank in one of the toilets in the upstairs bathroom, and the thing just was doing this all day. Free wow. water all day. Wow. And I came home, and I opened the door in the basement, and it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and uh, so, and and that was a major ordeal, and there was no fire damage, but right. it was just water. I mean, water and fire, and it's it's a, a horrible problem uh, for Tyreek Hill. And, and again, going to work is going to be his escape from this notion that your life gets turned upside down by something like this because it does. And we wish him and his family the best as they try to get through this, this nobody's the good news is nobody's injured. Everybody's fine. That's fine. But it still has screwed up your house and it screws up your life in this whole process of figuring out how to get everything fixed and get everything back to the way that it was. All right. Um, let's take a break. Plenty more. PFT Live to come, including the question of whether to rest starters and how much rest to give them in meaningless Week 18 games as the postseason looms. We'll take that up again when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. 